Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A Christian's life is messy. We don't want it to be, but it is. After faithful Noah stepped off the ark, you probably remember how the story went. Planted a vineyard, made some wine, got drunk. His sons found him naked, passed out. If we read about the life of Abraham, we find all sorts of episodes of doubt and the telling of lies. The Christian's life, it's not clean. It's a mess. A mess of success and failure, of faithfulness and backsliding. The Apostle Paul expresses the Christian's frustration in Romans 7.15. He says, I do not understand what I'm doing because I do not keep doing what I want. Instead, I do what I hate. The desire to do good is present with me, but I'm not able to carry it out. What a miserable wretch I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Our Bible reading for this morning gives us a glimpse into the life of King David toward the end of his life. And it's a mess. But in it we find God's mercy. And we find God at work, even in that mess. We read from 1 Chronicles 21. We'll read verses 1 through 19. Satan stood up against Israel and incited David to count Israel. David said to Joab and to the officers of the army, Go and count Israel from Beersheba to Dan. Let me know how many they are. Joab said, The Lord will multiply his people a hundred times. Are not all of them your servants, my lord the king? Why does my lord want to do this? Why should there be guilt upon Israel? But the word of the king overruled Joab. Now these words might seem a little bit mysterious, but I think we can understand them well enough. David wanted to count his soldiers. He wanted to see how mighty his army was. But Joab senses that this isn't right, that this isn't going to end well, that this is about pride, not about serving the Lord. But he has to listen to the king. Joab went throughout all Israel and came back to Jerusalem. He reported the total number of the people to David. In Israel, there were 1,100,000 men who could draw the sword, including 470,000 from Judah who could draw the sword. He did not include Levi and Benjamin in the census because the king's directive was offensive to Joab. This action was also evil in the eyes of God. So he struck Israel. Now things are going to move a little bit more quickly. So focus in on what's, going to ha- what's happening here. David said to God, I have sinned greatly by doing this. 
Please forgive the guilt of your servant, for I have acted very foolishly. The Lord said to Gad, David's seer, Go tell David this is what the Lord has said. I am offering you three choices. Choose one of them for yourself, and I will impose it on you. So Gad came to David and said to him, This is what the Lord says. Choose one of these for yourself, either three years of famine or three months of devastation in which you are overwhelmed by the sword of your enemies or three days of the sword of the Lord bringing plague on the land with the angel of the Lord causing destruction throughout all the territory of Israel. Now decide what answer I should take back to the one who sent me with this directive. So again, it was three years of hunger or three months of death by the sword or three days of plague from the Lord's hand. David said to Gad, this puts me in a difficult position. Please let me fall into the hand of the Lord because his compassion is very great. But do not let me fall into the hands of man. The Lord caused a plague in Israel. 70,000 men from Israel fell. God sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. The Lord saw the destruction and he relented from this devastation. He said to the destroying angel, Enough! Hold back your hand. The angel of the Lord was standing by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. David looked up and saw the angel of the Lord standing between the earth and the heavens with his sword drawn in his hand and stretched out over Jerusalem. David and the elders who were clothed in sackcloth fell on their faces. David said to God, Look, I am the one who said to count the people. I am the one who has sinned and acted very wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done, O Lord my God? Please let your hand be on me and on the house of my father, but not a plague on your people. The angel of the Lord told Gad to tell David to go set up an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David went up according to the directive from Gad, which he had spoken in the name of the Lord. Here ends the reading. Early in his life, David had been a great example of trusting the Lord. He had protected his father's literal sheep from the bear, from a lion. He trusted that the Lord would help him drive them away, and he did. As a young man, when he saw Goliath on that battlefield taunting the army of Israel, God's army, and taunting even the Lord, he didn't ask to count Israel's army and see how strong they were and if they might be able to defeat him. No, instead he said, why doesn't somebody silence this pagan? He's speaking out against the Lord. How come someone isn't doing something about this? 
You see, he trusted that the Lord would keep his promise and fight for his people. But now, later in life, David was counting soldiers, putting his trust in the size of an army instead of trusting in the God who keeps his promises. It was a low moment for David. And it reminds me, reminds us of what we started with. The life of a Christian is messy because that sinful nature clings to us and it trips us up at every turn. But do you remember the Apostle Peter when he got to walk on the Sea of Galilee? When he looked away from Jesus and he started to sink into the water, he still remembered in that moment of doubt where to go. Lord, save me, he said. And he reached out his arm to the one who he knew would not let him down. And David does the same thing here. When given the choice of three different consequences for his prideful census, David chooses the one that places him in the compassionate hands of the Lord. Please let me fall into the hand of the Lord because his compassion is very great. But do not let me fall into the hands of man. David's life was messy. He would have preferred it to be otherwise. But it was messy. But even in the mess of sin, David knew where to go for shelter. In one of his psalms, David wrote, Make music to the Lord, you his favored ones, and give thanks when you remember his holiness, for we spend a moment under his anger, but we enjoy a lifetime in his favor. In the evening, weeping comes to stay through the night, but in the morning, there is rejoicing. And maybe you noticed that even amid the mess in the middle of, even in the middle of David receiving God's rebuke for his sin, maybe you noticed that the Lord was changing David to be more like Jesus. When he saw the people of Israel suffering, David prayed, Look, I am the one who said to count the people. I am the one who has sinned and acted very wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done, O Lord my God? Please let your hand be on me and on the house of my father, but not a plague on your people. So we see Jesus here in David, for he felt compassion for the suffering, and he wanted to take their place. And his prayer was answered in a very unique way. Now David was not crushed by God. A thousand years later, one from David's family was crushed for the sins of David and for the sins of all others. You know his name. So yes, the lives of Christians are messy. But in the middle of the mess, There is grace.
And even in these messy lives, he is changing his people. But most importantly, he has already redeemed us. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for a moment here of peace, a moment to think on your word and on your grace. No matter what difficult situation we find ourselves in, no matter what mess we get ourselves in, open our eyes to see your compassion and move us to shelter in Christ. Amen. We sing hymn 921.